0: Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Shomon <speaking in> dai <foreign language> そ Bencho Zasu. Entangling Vines, Case 22. Mittan's True Meaning. A monk asked Mittan Kanketsu, What is the meaning of Toksan carries his bowls? The master answered, No meaning. Then why? asked the monk. Did Toksan carry his bowls down to the monk's hall? If he wants to go, he goes. If he wants to sit, he sits, Mitan replied. find ourselves here now on this one day, somewhere around two in the afternoon, maybe even a little later. Time is such a flexible thing if we forget about it, isn't it? Just when we are very aware of it, it becomes hard like rock and unflinching. Only if we think about it. But already for an uncounted number of breaths we have been together in this endeavor that we call Rohatsu. And I hope by now you have come to the part that it is fun. Some do. It's a wonderful, joyful undertaking of a journey we are on here together. And it is like climbing a very steep mountain, not having been told to bring the right shoes. (laughs) At least we think so. And then halfway up the mountain, somebody tells you, oh, your shoes are just perfect as they are. So are the blisters inside. Isn't that fun? But I can hear from your laughing that you have established that connection with this wonderful numinous light that shines and laughs and presents life to us under whatever circumstances that might come into existence. This is a great joy. One of the first things that we encounter in the first couple of turnovers of light and darkness is that goal-oriented things go out the window. What is the goal of this? Is it to survive or why am I doing this? What is this? And it becomes completely irrelevant. When you sit in excruciating pain and all you can do is survive for the next second and the next second, Things change. Are you all zen out? <laughs> a week before Rohatsu started, we had a introduction to Zen weekend here. And one of the participants who had returned for a number of them mentioned that you know, the first time I came here, I had no idea. I thought massage was involved somehow. <laughs> well, there is some sort of massage that you can ask for. It has to do with a wooden stick, and it makes rather loud noises. But it is not what people expect. The words end is so commercialized nowadays that it means so many different things. I, it sent shivers down my spine when I saw a magazine from the age of Aquarius in the place where we have our Zendo in, uh, in the Boston area. It's a place that has many offices for practitioners of all kinds of wonderful body techniques, psychotherapy, Even there's an acting group for people in recovery. It's a wonderful place. And then people come and dump these magazines. And there was an article in there that was entitled, I'm sorry to do this to you, (laughs) Zenful Eating. (laughs) And everything in my body was going, no, please don't do that. You did it to mind. Please don't do it to Zen. <laughs> what is being extracted? What is Zen being turned into by making it full? The only full that people are interested in this context is that their pockets are full of money. However, I had to follow this up a little bit because people don't just make things up. So there is a definition in the Urban Dictionary for Zen full. So here's something you can look for if you want to have a Zenful rest of Rohatsu. So Zenful is defined as an euphoric feeling produced by a relaxing environment and calming energy. The first example they give is, the sun on my cheeks and the wind in my hair gave me a Zenful feeling. Wow. <laughs> so close. <laughs> so close. Or here's another thing if you go and you you uh, go into this other world of the internet and you look for zenful, you will find visualizing the zen philosophies of peace, humility and enlightenment. Oriental symbolism combines with traditional Japanese decorative elements for an understated elegance. This is for jewelry. (laughs) That is called Zenful Jewelry. And if you want to see it, it's available at (laughs) bravechick.com. So now you think I'm making this up. But when, if you survive, it is worth looking at it. So Zen, zen full, it has so many things. And all of this is an introduction into what does it mean? What does it mean? The koan we have today is a koan that asks about the meaning. And meaning is such a broad topic. So but please keep the lightness with your sitting and with all of this lightness. Light not only versus heavy but light also is bright and is shining. And the spirit of Hakuin's exhortations that we will continue to hear when we hear about that, we have to go through these tribulations. We have to go up those steep hills in order to reach that top of the mountain. No matter what the shoes are we wear, the fact that we are together Let's just forget about our blisters and just walk on a little longer. Nobody else is complaining. If, you, if, I, if we had to walk this way, this path by ourselves, it would be daunting. That is the really, really special thing about Siddhartha Gautama, who walked his way to that tree, at first, with many other teachers, with many other human beings, many different teachings. But then, in the end, he had the resolve to just sit down. And if you're ever deluded to think, oh, I can do that, try. It is so easy to say, I will not get up before. And then we can't even imagine the list of things that comes up that will make us get up, (laughs) that are suddenly so much more important. Or it's just that feeling of having to jump out of one's skin. And that's what we are doing also, a skin that we have to leave behind. Maybe we should advertise this year as spiritual exfoliation. <laughs> <laughs> if the keisaku passes as massage, this can pass as spiritual skin care. So today, case 22-2. I didn't say dash 1 when I talked about case 22, but really there it is in this modern version of the Shumon Katoshu to which I have switched. It is presented like that. There is a, a Japanese Roshi by the name of Uh, Jimyo Sokan Roshi, who took the originals from the 17th century and created this new edition of the Shumon Katoshu, which is a wonderful uh, thing to have. And it was also revisited by Thomas Kirchner, who first translated the Shumon Katoshu into English. And then Domaijimyo's A wonderful book came out, and then comes the second edition of the Shumon Katoshu that you can find now by Wisdom Publications. It is available there. Really, the Shumon Katoshu does not count the cases in the original. It is something that we added to it later. So uh, this Roshi decided, since this has to do with Toksan carries his balls, and it follows... The case of Toksan. He called it 22 1 and 22 2. But in the Japanese tradition, these cases are known by the title. So Toksan's case is Toksan Takuhatsu. Toksan carries his balls. And this is called Mittan's true meaning. Mittan imune it deals it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing that it was arranged like that first you have the original corn and then you have another corn that is not a commentary but in itself an extension to what has come before it also points to the fact that there is a very deliberate way of arranging these cases within the collections So today, 22-1. You're not paying attention. It's two. And when I say you, I'm talking to myself. So, 22 2. We are meeting today Mitan Kanketsu. Mitan Kanketsu lived from 1118 until 1186. He appears in three cases in the Shumon Kattoshu. Mittan Kanketsu was a native of Fujing in the Fuzhou present Fujian province in China. It's the Song dynasty. His family name was Zeng. He is one of those masters who traveled widely. Basically, they all do. Visiting teachers. Finally receiving tradition in the Rinzai line from a person by the name of Dongge. It's starting to sound familiar, doesn't it? He subsequently served as a priest in a number of temples, some great monasteries on various mountains. And as the ancestor of Oan, and as the teacher of Shōgen Sugaku, he is in the line of all the living Japanese Rinzai teachers. That's why we find him every evening in Tedai Denpo. We have this is the yogi lineage, yogi hoe. Who's next? Haku on shutan, goso hoen, engo kokugon, kokyo shoryo, oan donge, and here comes mitang Ketsu. His successor, Shogen Sugaku, Unnan Fugan, and then the last Chinese master, Kido Chigo, who came to Japan. It's interesting that at Daitokuji in Kyoto, they have a tea room there in a sub temple that's called Ryoko in. And that tea room is named after Mitan. And in that tea room, there's a mitan doko. It's an alcove for calligraphy from mitan kanketsu that was written in the 12th century, one of the last surviving pieces of bokseki, of ink traces from that Song dynasty. Of course, in Japan, it is considered a kokuho, a national treasure. So one day we'll all go and look at it. It is a text that Mitankanketsu wrote to somebody about the monastic training, about the serious training of Zen monks, how it was handled in China. And it was written on a piece of silk, which, with the content, makes it even more interesting. And then I thought to myself, wow, 12th century, That sounds so old. And then I remembered, hey, you were born in a building that was built in the 11th century. It's interesting that where you were born makes a difference on how you look at history. The building I was born in, was it we we had a two-room apartment. It was my father, my mother, and six children. There was no running water because the building was so old. There was only an outhouse, no flushing toilets. It sounds like the 11th century, doesn't it? (laughs) No. But it, it was just the reality of the early 60s. Uh, in a nation that was recovering from having beaten down like Europe was by world wars, by terrible strife, breaking many people's spirits, killing millions of people. But history is interesting. And I remember one of my sisters married an American soldier. They met in Heidelberg, in Germany. And he came to visit us. And when he came to the house, there was the plaque that said this was built in 965, or something like that. The only thing that he could say is, well, (laughs) you're lying. That's not true. He couldn't believe it. Even going to the museum, seeing the armor of people who who lived so, so many, many years ago in the Middle Ages, that can't be real. What does that mean? Time is very, very interesting. So but Kanketsu lived in the 12th century. There's really not much more known about him than that. The characters, Mitan Mitsu, means secret. And it's used also in the terms Mikkyo, the secret teachings of the esoteric Buddhism, Mikkyo. Mitan Mitsu, secret. And An is the hermitage, so secret hermitage. That probably was the name of his temple, where he resided in China. I selected a few of the sayings of Mitankanketsu to give you a little flavor of who this person was. Mitankanketsu says, those who have not learned are in confusion, not relying on the source. They abandon their families, quit their jobs, and wander around in misery, running north and south, looking for Zen, looking for Tao, and seeking Buddha. Seeking Dharma and the tongues of old monks, all over the land, intentionally waiting for their transmission, unaware that they have missed the point all along. Apparently, he had some thoughts about the system in China. When something becomes very popular, then you will find uh, these kinds of institutionalized happenings. It happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. So we have always to be careful that we do not contribute to such institutionalization and to those flaws that come with it. Here's another one. When you are totally alive and cannot be trapped and cannot be caged, only then do you have some independence. Then you can be in the ordinary world all day long without it affecting you. How many of us feel, ah, when this is over, I have to go back and all the old crap is waiting for me. But here, the really wonderful, joyful message that you can receive during Rohatsu session is No, you will not be returning to the old crap. It's going to be fresh crap. (laughs) It will be exciting, fresh, sparkling, shiny. But then even what is the meaning of crap? What are all these concepts, all these things that we don't look into so clearly, that we see that we're still carrying something forward that we have not left behind in judgments, in attitude. A practice like this here, a session, like the process of Rohatsu, as Hakuin says, It's not cutting into a nicer shape. No, it's cutting through. And then when we meet whatever we meet, forget about crap. What is the ordinary world? What is Buddha? What does What, what do you hear? What is Buddha? Have you ever heard of ordinary mind? So with his dissatisfaction with how Zen was going in the Song Dynasty, Mitan Kanketsu also wrote the following: "The reason this path has not been flourishing, in recent years, is nothing else but the fact that those who are acting as teachers of others do not have their eyes and brains straight and true. They have no perception of their own, but just keep fame and fortune and gain and loss in their hearts, deeply afraid that others will say they have no stories They mistakenly memorize stories from old books, letting them ferment in the back of their minds so they won't lack for something to say if seekers ask them questions. Apparently, it was always difficult to find authentic human beings even in ancient China. Here comes my favorite colorful um, quote from Mitan Kanketsu, talking about these teachers. They are like goats crapping. The minute their tails go up, Innumerable dung balls plop to the ground. Since students do not have clear perception, how are they supposed to distinguish clearly? Students believe deeply with all their hearts. So unseeing individuals lead unseeing crowds into a pit of This is an expression of his really deep devotion to paying forward that beneficence that we heard about yesterday. It is a manifestation of that gratitude. Why should unseeing individuals lead unseeing crowds into pits of fire? There is no need for that. So a deeply compassionate, at the same deeply critical eye of Mitankanketsu shows us some of the dangers that we can find in institutions. And when we look, unfortunately, we have to say to a certain degree at the institutionalized systems of the Buddhist funeral rites in Japan, we see that such a system comes to an end when people stop partaking and believing in such systems. So one of the monks approached Mittan and asked, what is the meaning of Toksan carries his balls? Remember, we said in the previous talk, The title of the koan is Toksan Takuhatsu. Takuhatsu. To carry the bowls. To carry the bowls, to receive, to offer, and receive at the same time. And we talked a little bit about that practice. But this monk is asking this question. Sincerely, wanting to find out what is it, Master, since you are compassionate and critical, at the same time, what is the meaning of this old Zen Master carrying his balls? We could say it is just, about the case, but I would not just limit it to that. It's not just with seppo. Where are you going, old man? The bell hasn't sounded. It's just the first part. What is the meaning of toksan? Carrying his balls. And the master answered. I-mune-nashi. There is no meaning, no meaning at all. And that reminded me of a thing that we heard yesterday in the Rohatsu exhortations that is a wonderful example for meaning, no meaning. And the pliability, the stretchability of all of this. So when you heard yesterday this paragraph here, connect to what you heard. This is Hakuin, a Zen person. Zazen is the foundation of all spiritual paths. In the Shinto tradition, our body is considered to be the condensation of heaven and earth, while heaven and earth are considered to be our great, vast body. Seven generations of celestial deities, five generations of earthly deities, and eight million other deities are all enshrined in our very body. If you want to serve these enshrined deities, you must observe the saying in the Shinto tradition, unless you govern the head of the spirit, you cannot serve the deities. To govern the head of the spirit is none other than Zen Samadhi. Eight million deities. What Roshi talked about as well, fits right in here, magic. What kind of belief is that? But then look at it this way. In our body, when we pay attention to the burning candles, to the oil lamps, we pay attention to the fire deity and it manifests in ourselves as the attention to fire the deity of liquids is responsible for the flow and the of our bodily liquids This is how Hakuin described it and the Shinto tradition. Now, nowadays, we replace this kind of thinking with science and scientific names. We call the flow of our bodily fluids circulation through the lymphatic system, the blood vessels all kinds of terminology. Is it the science? Is it the enshrined deities? And here comes the the teaching of Zen. When Kyozan cut his fingers off, and the blood was squirting out. Where is all that meaning? That is life. That is life. What is the meaning of those squirts of blood? no meaning, none whatsoever. Abstract and manifest is completely different. The enshrined deities are an abstraction. The ideas of the scientific description and classification and explanation of what is happening is yet another abstraction. But getting into the physicality of zazen, of this practice, makes it clear that why do we sit in this posture that our body will make make its presence known that we will connect to that that keeps us alive but cannot be subject to any abstraction. The seeds are back. The field is there. You could say the field of science saying about it is that it's a field of all kinds of different resonances and waves, electromagnetic waves, sound waves in the air, waves of the blood going through your head, through your body, waves of the harmony of the spheres of the universe all abstractions. But when you feel it, and we have many, many opportunities here to feel it and to know it, to get to know it. Of course, uh, having some background in music, resonance, sound, waves, and all of that is very close to my feeling of the world. That's also why chanting is one of the most absorbing practices that we can offer here, from my point of view. Of course, all of them are wonderful. But today, let me just spend a very short time in giving you a few reflections on the chanting. So when we chant together, we have the wonderful Gyorin who helps us with the Mokugyo. By keeping. This morning there was something that was really interesting. Something happened. Uh, There there was a sudden little flourish. It was nice. It was an ornament. But if it goes like this, like a heartbeat, the important thing is, don't listen to it. If you listen to it, by the time you hear it, you are late. This is the teaching of intuition. Chokkan no sekai, the world of intuition. You become one with the beat. You don't have to wait for it. So when we chant together with the timing and keeping with the beat, we complete it. It's not planned. It's not planned. It's just we become part of the process. Part of the process. And sometimes we leave the stream. And then sometimes it's hard to get back into. But it's okay to leave the stream. And then it's okay to come back. This is not a performance. So, timing, please. Become the beat. Feel it physically in you. This is our communal heart at that moment beating. And if we don't give our blood and our feeling to it, that heart will stop and it will fall apart. Now, the second really sneaky thing about chanting is that it is teaching us about breathing. Because when we chant naturally, the exhalation gets longer and longer and longer, something that is very handy in Zazen, that your exhalation goes really longer when it develops that way. There are parts in the chanting where we have short breath as well in the in Meijuku kanon in the rest, in, in, when we get to the end. <laughs> that is very impulsive, very impulsive, very strong pulsing, chanting, and breathing as well. Still, one of the important things to keep with all of this is shown by this chain of beads. You see in the middle, there is a thread. There's a thread in the middle that keeps all these beads together as one juzu. That is your breath and your intention that keeps all the syllables of the sutra together. They are different beats, they are smaller beats, they are larger beats. They are different syllables. And the beats themselves are the vowels that we chant. These are the beats. And in between the little spaces are the consonants consonants that just make it into a well-defined whole. But the intention of that breath that goes through all of it, it's more than breath. It's this activity, this intention of life, of attending to, attending to, staying with it like in the zazen posture, in the breathing practice, staying with it. No difference to the chanting at all. Which organ do we chant with? Um, it comes from here, but... I, I chant with my ears. Chant with your ears. Chant with your ears. That is the only way that we all can chant together. We chant with our ears. All the rest is there very naturally. The extra effort we make with our ears by connecting. The ears are connected to the heart. The heart is connected to the breath. The breath is connected to the voice that then comes out with the wonderful sutras that we chant. So that core attention, like the string with the beads, is very, very important. Sometimes in the slower chant, it happens that we have to take a breath. And when this chant is slow and we don't want to miss out, we can join the chant within a syllable but when you join within a syllable just join with the vowel so if it is show you can join any time by chanting oh forget about this sho, the sh, sh sh. that's over that's too late it's gone we all chanted Sho can you join? Sho. Ah oh. uh, see, see, you said sho. No, no, no. <laughs> if you missed the beginning, just go to the vowel, go to the core. Sho. Nobody would have noticed that you even had to breathe. Not even yourself. Vow. And the vowel, all of these wonderful resonances that you can feel in your body. You don't necessarily need a keisaku. You know, you can have these resonances in your own body. Loosen up things that are somewhat not loose. And I'm not just speaking about physical things. When we chant... Let's have our faces be completely relaxed. We should be able to shake our face one thing. Well, it looks easy and funny, you know? But give it a try. That is the feeling of chanting of giving ourselves fully to it. Just be aware of it. It comes from your horror. And anything on the way out, that is an obstruction to it. Just let's relax it and let it drop. The most difficult language to chant is, is English. And here we plug right into the corn because suddenly we seek meaning. It's so much easier to chant something Sino-Japanese. Haza, haza. (laughs) Isn't that great? (laughs) Shifura, shifura. Haza, haza. Magical sounds, magical sounds that in themselves make us feel joyful. You didn't start crying. When I, a student of Dharma, (laughs) look at the real suddenly it becomes so difficult for us because there come all these layers of meaning. When we recite it, again, let's go back to that intention that carries through it like the string. And what happens then? It doesn't turn into, well, it's important to have it be done in this very deliberate way. But at the same time, our intention has to go through the whole thing in the same way that it goes in the Sino-Japanese chants. Even if it's truncated like that, when I, a student of dharma. See, it's an attitude. It's an attitude and a feeling. When when we sit down for zazen, the same attitude. See, if I can hold your suspense like that, you can do that with yourselves, in your zazen, in your life. That is this intention, that wonderful, forward, always moving dynamic of being alive. And yesterday, Roshi spoke about the Igyo lineage, Kyozan and Isan, and the story about Kyozan burning that wonderful manuscript. And he could do it because he fully comprehended it. So if we study the sutras and we fully comprehend with our body what the Heart Sutra means, then it's really easy for us to put it back together into exactly the same syllables that we have received when we first started reading it phonetically. Comprehending it fully means to embody it, to become it. And then the expression as the Heart Sutra is just one of many, many expressions. So much for a little excursion to the world of chanting. We have made it through the first part of the Kohan. What is the meaning of Toksan carries his balls? The Master answered, Then why? asked the monk. Did Toksan carry his bowls down to the monk's hall? And Mitan replied, if he wants to go, he goes. If he wants to sit, he sits. It reads very much like a passage from the Rinzai Roku, which is translated in English like this. This is from, from the Sasaki, uh, Ruthful Sasaki translation of the Rinzai Roku conforming with circumstances as they are. A true follower of the way exhausts their karma, accepting things as they are, they put on their clothes. When they want to walk, they walk. When they want to sit, they sit. They never have a single thought of seeking Buddhahood. Why is this so? A sage of old said, if you seek Buddha through karma-creating activities, Buddha becomes the great portent of birth and death. Why? Why? Why do we have to get up at four? we could do this in the morning why why all kinds of why's and hakuin day is approaching and the problem is not the question of why the problem often is the answer that we come up within ourselves i know why i know why so here's this little story about Hakuin kaku that usually goes under the title "So desu ne." Is that so? The Zen master Hakuin was praised by his neighbors as one living a pure life. A beautiful young girl whose parents owned a food store lived near Hakuin's temple. Suddenly, without any warning, her parents discovered to their dismay that their daughter was pregnant. It made the parents very angry. She would not confess to them who the father was. But after much harassment, at last, she named Hakui. In great anger, the parents went to the master to confront him. Is it that you have impregnated my daughter here? You are the... Oh, so this... Is that so? Hakuin said. After the child was born, the parents brought it to Hakuin. By this time, his reputation was stained, ruined by the accusations of the parents. But it didn't trouble him. And he took very good care of the child. He obtained milk from the neighbors and everything else a little baby would need. A year later, the mother of the child could not go on any longer seeing what was happening to Hakuin and feeling of having put out this falsehood into the community. She finally told her parents the truth. The real father of the child was a young man who worked down in the fish market. The father and the mother of the girl at once, very embarrassed, went to Hakuin to ask for his forgiveness, to apologize at length, and to get the child back. Hakuin willingly gave the child back to the grandparents. In yielding the child over to them, all he said was, so destiny is that so it's a wonderful story to meaning making and how meaning making from the point of view of these parents of the daughter created all kind of what would we call that Cause and effect. They had answered those questions. Why? Who? All of that. In their minds instantly. And we as beings, usually, if somebody comes and accuses us of something, we tend to defend ourselves because we have different meaning. We believe in something different, or we think we know something different. But through his arduous practice, Hakuin had come to the point that he could say, so oh, does. Is that so? Complete openness, No judgment yet at the same time having the ability to act from that openness and compassion, to receive the child, to nurture it, and at the same time to nurture the mother of the child by having her come to the understanding what I'm doing is not right. I have to make this right. By the same token, not depriving the parents of that young woman from being able to discern what really happened. All of that is really important. The making of meaning. The asking of the questions, then why? Why did Toksang carry his balls down to the monk's house? Answers, answers, answers. Sometimes answers are very good at the very moment, but then they are stale. And once it's stale, it's no good anymore. So if he wants to go, he goes. If he wants to sit, he sits whatever is called for at the moment. When the bell rings to come to the zendo, we go to the zendo. When the clappers sound, when the mokugyo plays, this is the only way to answer, to answer for that unspoken question. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.